Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, it's a little bit after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joey Anderson, Certified Financial Planner with Alan Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, check us out on iTunes, Your Money, Your Wealth there. Go to purefinancial.com. You can get us there. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You get us there. Three solid places. Pretty good, huh? That's pretty good. A um, lot of things to discuss today. What do you got? <sighs> Not much. <laughs> okay. We can talk about the markets. We can t- talk about taxes. We can talk about healthcare. We have a Medi- uh, Medicare webinar coming up Perfect. next week, Tuesday. We oh. got Dr. Katie Voltava. Yes. She'll be coming on board uh, just momentarily, um, diving into the ABCs of Medicare. And so there's a ton to it's, know. There is a ton. And it's, it's a lot more, it seems like it's a lot more complicated than it should be. Well, isn't that everything? Seems to be. Yes. Yes. I mean, Medicare. Uh, then you hit 65, and there you go. You're, you're signed up. Nope. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, we'll, um, we'll kind of give a tease with Dr. Katie about the webinar. And yeah. all you got to do is sign up. You can go to purefinancial.com to sign up for this uh, Medicare webinar. If you are, um, I would say, 61, to if you haven't signed up yet, um, from 61 to 65, if you haven't signed up, I guess. You want to learn. should be listening. Yeah. You should be listening. Right. Because when you turn age 62, 63, that's gonna, the income that you make is going to determine what your Medicare premiums are. Um, and there's some crazy calculations. And then 2018, uh, Medicare premiums are going to go up. And so uh, there's a lot of different things that you want to learn. Uh, so you can sign up for the webinar. You don't necessarily have to listen to it live. Um, as long as you sign up, then you'll get a T or like the replay. Yeah. Is that what it's a called? A link. A link for the replay. And here's yeah. what we're going to do, because it's going to be probably an hour plus, because there's a lot of stuff that we're going to get into. And then I'm going to chop it up. Oh, into pieces. Into bite pieces. Size pieces. Bite-sized okay. pieces, like so that it. you can just handle it, just little bite sizes at a time. Right. Because if you're like me, right, sitting there for an hour, <laughs> it's too much. I'm listening to about Medicare? Yeah, it could be a little rough. It could be. Right? It could be. So, I, In fact, I'll, I'll say it, it probably will be. It very well could be. <laughs> so, um, and we do a ton of videos, right? And I think the average viewer, you know, watches it for maybe you know seven to ten minutes. Right. So yeah. that's what I'm going to try to do. Just give it, you know, you know, ten, fifteen minute bite size pieces. Okay, I like it. So uh, yeah, go to purefinancial.com to uh, register for the webinar coming up Tuesday. It's going to be Tuesday. So, um, what else do you got? I got all kinds of stuff. Oh, great. Kind of smorgasbord. I, I got, first thing I want to go over is, um, Joe, did you know that if you save more, you live longer? Mm. <laughs> this is uh, from a recent New York Times, Times article. Uh, study by the Brookings Institute said that richer people live longer. Yeah, no, I did hear that. Yeah, yeah. Is that if you are, uh, you know, that, that's common sense in a sense, but because you have more money, you could probably afford more better health care. Yeah, that, that's certainly part of it. But here's the current stats. If a man born in 1950, 
Life expectancy is age 73 if you're in the poorest 10% of wealth, but it's 87 if you're in the richest 10%, right? That's quite a difference. Well, what's the richest? Richest 10% of the people. So you take all the people in the country and the- Yeah, I know, but here's me sitting, listening to you, thinking, all right, well, what number do I have to be at? Oh, no idea. I don't have that in front of me. <laughs> yes, so I what, do I need a billion dollars? No. Or do I need $100,000? Uh, you probably, I'm guessing you need in the, you probably need to be a millionaire, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. This, this, this show's going out with a bang. Women, <laughs> age, born in 1950. <laughs> Life expectancy is 75 if they're in the poorest 10%, or 88 if they're in the richest 10%. And get this, while women still have a longer life expectancy, the gap is narrowed, uh, especially for wealthier men, right? And uh, so they're thinking this, Joe. They're thinking that increase in life expectancy among the wealthy is is due to the fact, in, in part, because they're more educated, which tends to lead to less use of tobacco. Oh. Another thing is obesity has um, uh, has an increased less rapidly for the wealthy, and certainly, as you mentioned, medical med- medical advances are more readily available when you have money. But here's another theory: that those that have money have a more fulfilling retirement; they're happier. And it's been shown if you're happier, you'll probably live longer. But money isn't. Money does not cause happiness, but it can allow you to do the things and, and, and to achieve the, some of the dreams and goals that you've had, that can lead to happiness. Money in and of itself is not going to lead to happiness. So that's my, that's my viewpoint by Alan Clopine. I, I like it. Keep going. <laughs> so, you know what, you, the, the advice from this article? Yeah. Save, Save more. more. Yes. Save more so you can live longer. Exactly. There you go. You knew that was coming. That's the best. Uh, any article that you ever read. <laughs> That's that's the. It doesn't advice. really matter what it's about. The the solution is save more. Save more. Yeah. Well, all right. So let, how do you do that? Yeah, let's go in a time capsule. And <laughs> let's go backwards. And yeah, let's go backwards. I should have saved more. Oh. But I guess the, you know, the the thing that we say this all the time, but it it bears repeating is, uh, it doesn't really matter where you're at. You can improve your situation by saving more starting today. Right. Well, yes. I mean, it's never too late to start. Right. right? But then uh, you and I. Alan, no individuals that have millions that are going to blow through those millions. Of course, yeah. And, and not have a very happy life. Exactly. We Yes, and we then, do know that. And we know people that of very modest means are the happiest people that come into our office. I would agree with that, too. So it's, um, I think it's finding purpose in a sense. It's just, mm-hmm. well, why am I keep on saying it in a sense? It, it's finding purpose to figure out exactly what you want to do in your retirement. Right. It's saying, all right, well, here, this is what I want to do. Here's the game plan. And well, this show's all about wealth and fa- or, uh, finances. Right. But you have to plan to get the wealth and the finances. And I, I just heard something, too. Most people are so afraid of running out of money. And then they did a statistic. It was like, all right, well, how many of you have a financial plan? And 78% of them didn't have a financial plan. But you're freaking out because you don't want to run out of money, but you don't necessarily have a plan to do it. Yeah, you, you got your head in the sand, and that's why you're freaking out. And you're, in some cases, Joe, I think people are afraid. To, it's like going to the doctor because you might be sick and you don't even know it. Right. Yeah. I had that phobia. <laughs> you're, you're over that now? Oh, yeah. I yeah. go once a year. Okay. Good for blood. you. Good for you. Yeah, it's good times. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, um, there's a couple of different things. I want to get into different expenses that could really hurt your lifestyle that you might not know it. Um, and then we'll talk about some different ways to protect yourself, just to kind of give you a tease here. Healthcare is one of them. And so that's why we got Dr. Katie on. A lot of you are probably overspending or will overspend for your Medicare coverage and healthcare coverage. Uh, so we want to talk to her to figure out what is the solution there to make sure that you get a little bit more money into your pocket. Um, housing and lifestyle expenses, you look at the rising cost of just like long-term care. Um, I'm not talking Medicare health insurance, just long-term care expenses. Um, and then you take a look at maybe potential caring uh, for your parents uh, or, or your spouse. And then, of course, the big one is taxes. Uh, so we'll spend some time again talking about taxes because, you know, it, it's funny. Everything kind of rolls back in is is that you have to take a look at a global look at your overall finances. And please don't look at each section of your financial life in a silo where you're looking at your taxes only at tax time. You're looking at your investments and then you're taking a look at your insurances and then you'll take a look at your estate planning because everything that you basically do in your financial realm is going to affect another component of that. Because if you just look at your investments, well, investments create taxes. And if you're just looking at your taxes without your investments, you could be dropping the ball there. And then you look at, all right, well, how much money do I have? Do I have enough uh, to provide me that lifestyle? If you don't, well, if you focus on taxes, potentially that can stretch out your income a little bit longer. So it, there's a lot more uh, to this than just saying, hey, I'm 65, I'm going to retire, and then just start drawing dollars from your overall accounts. So that's what we want to get into today. Please go to our website at purefinancial.com to uh, jo uh, join us Tuesday. I think it starts at 10.30 to 11.30 um, webinar with Dr. Katie Voltava. Uh, Dr. Katie is, wh what is she again? The uh, the authority of Medicare? Yeah, I think that's what we postulated a couple of weeks ago when we introduced this segment. P postulated? Yeah. Well, you've been reading? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting smarter as I'm getting older. Yeah, <laughs> it's like postulated. I don't even know what that means. Hey, I've got a word for you. Yeah, what's uh, that? It's... Uh, uh, I have to find it. I can't remember. Oh, this is going to be a good tease for the next segment. <laughs> hey, stick around. We're going to figure out what Big Word and Big Al's got to say. Uh, we got to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, Joey Anderson here, certified financial planner alongside Big Al Klopine. He's a CPA. Alan, let's take a step back in time to the year 1990. Okay. Not too long ago. It was, uh, what, just over 25 years ago. Correct. The cost of a gallon of gas, $1.34. Wow, really? The average price of a car, 17000 bucks. Okay. The average price of a home, 123000 Not in Southern California. I'll yeah, average. That. Yes. Uh, times have changed a little bit, huh? Today... You know how much it costs to fill your tank? I, I just filled my tank. It was over 50 bucks. Me too. Yep. Uh, you know how much it costs uh, for health insurance? I mean, just look at j Medicare premiums um, are jumping up. I mean, people are paying anywhere from three dollars to $5,000 a year just in Medicare premiums. And then you take a look at co-pays and everything else. What, the statistics when it comes to fidelity, what a married couple is going to spend over, what, two to $300,000 mm -hmm. just in out-of-pocket expenses just for health care? Correct. And you know how much it costs for electricity, food, and home insurance, and everything else. But 
What will those things cost in about 20 or 25, maybe even 30 years from now? There's no way to really know for sure. Some expenses could double, triple, or even quadruple compared to where they are today. Ellen and I have a client that retired about 20 years ago. Had about a $60,000 pension. 60,000 bucks was a ton of money 20 years ago. Guess what? He's paying about $3,400 a month in prescription drugs, right? So you have to take a look at, all right, well, yeah, things are, you think things okay now, but you have to look in the future. And those kind of increases of expenses could cripple your lifestyle in retirement. We see five different expenses on the horizon that can threaten your lifestyle in retirement and that could dramatically impact anyone who's thinking about retiring over the next five years. So what do you think those five expenses are, Alan? Well, um, I think we got to probably start with health care. Health care would be good because we're living a lot longer, which is really good, right? Yes. And so I've heard, um, you know, with this exponential technology and everything else, is that people, I guess what our parents or grandparents, well, my grandparents anyway, you know, they retired at 65, and my grandmother lived actually until 92. My grandfather died at probably 80, right? So my parents, right? my dad retired at 61 and died at 60, <laughs> 61. Yeah, poor guy. But my mom, yeah. uh, she retired at 66, and so she's still living. She's 67. Yeah. Uh, but the next couple generations, they could retire at 65 and live to 100, 110, 120. You know, so the longer, you know, as we're going out here, the, the life expectancy tables, depending on where you look, are increasing dramatically, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. And, and hopefully, Joe, the quality of life is, is still there because no one wants to live without the quality of life. Exactly. So then there was a survey that was done by, I think, Allianz Life Insurance. And then they said, all right, well, what are you, you know, what are people's reactions to this? Are they excited and or are they fearful? And what do you think most people were? I, Joe, I'm going to say fearful because everyone can think of maybe a grandparent that made it to 80 and their life didn't, they didn't have a lot of quality of life at that point. Or I think a lot of people are fearful because they don't think they have enough money to maintain a lifestyle through age 100 That's or true 105. That's true because you think about if they actually did any planning, it was probably to about 80 years old and now they're hearing, huh, I might live to 90, 95, 100 or more. And I think those generations in the past, um, a lot of them had pensions. Right. And Social Security. I'm... Yeah, so it didn't matter as much because those checks kept coming in. Exactly. No now matter... you got your own money. It's a fixed source. Right. So then now you take a look at this and say, all right, well, now I'm going to retire at 65. I look at my 401k balance and what is my Social Security going to look like? And then that's it. You know, So I got to make this thing work. And this is where planning for retirement income is so different than planning for retirement. Both are very difficult to do because I know it's difficult to save because you got kids that you're putting through school, you still got a mortgage and you still have your daily living expenses. And it's always hard you know, to find a, a couple of extra bucks to save for your retirement. Then you look at retiring and then now you got to sell the assets that you saved. And that is such a different way of looking at things because savers do not like to spend. They don't necessarily know how to spend because they have anxiety when it comes to tapping it's into their overall true. assets. We've also found out that spenders don't like to save. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so where's that happy medium? I don't know. Where are they? <laughs> so when you look at spending money in retirement, you have to take a look at a lot of different factors and risks. And one of them is health care, right? How much money are you going to set aside for health care? 
How much money do you think it's, I mean, if you're healthy, that's great, but life happens all the time. And so you have to make sure that you have some capital to make sure that you take care of that. But then how do you, then you have to take a look at longevity risk, which we just talked about. So we're living a lot longer. Then you have to take a look at tax risk. Right, So how much money are you going to be paying in tax on the distributions from your overall accounts? You have to take a look at what is called sequence of return risk, which I think is the most damaging. Because when markets go down and you're taking dollars from the overall portfolio, and you, if you don't have a retirement income strategy, it's very, very difficult to get caught back up. Right, So for instance, if you have $100,000 and you lose 30% of it, and then the next year you gain 30%, I think a lot of people will say, well, I lost 30, but I gained 30. I should have my money back. Well, the math doesn't work that way. Because if you got a hundred grand, you lose thirty. You got seventy thousand bucks. Thirty percent on seventy thousand is twenty-one grand. So you're at ninety-one thousand. You're at ninety-one thousand. So you're not there and, yet. Yeah, and if you're taking, you know, four thousand, five thousand dollars out of that hundred thousand dollars per year to live off of, right? Four percent distribution rule. All right. Well, now it's going to be even that much more difficult to get you to square one. So having a income strategy is key in looking at all these potential risks that are in front of you. If as long as you can identify the risk, right, then you can plan for it. Yeah, I think Joe, that's the key because I think the biggest issue that we're seeing for retirees is things that are unexpected, and and there are a lot of unexpected things that can come up in retirement. And we touched on healthcare right off the bat. And for some reason, healthcare has a much higher inflation rate than other goods and services. In fact, it's been it's been in the five percent range per year for uh, for a number of years. And as you said last last segment, Joe, the uh, Fidelity Investments does a study each year where they try to help predict the amount of out of pocket medical costs that a sixty five year old couple will have for the rest of their life. In their latest study, it was about $250,000. And that's, you know, you're thinking, well, wait a minute, by the time I get to 65, Medicare, doesn't that really, doesn't that cover everything? And the answer is no. And we're gonna talk to Dr. Katie here pretty soon about that, but uh, 250,000 is the estimate for out-of-pocket cost, medical costs, and that doesn't even include long-term care. So you have to have a plan for that too. Right, and when you think of long-term care, I mean, so if you have to go into a facility or your spouse has to go into a facility, uh, in Southern California, I mean, it's pretty pricey. Yeah, I You're mean, looking it's, at over hundred thousand yeah, bucks a year. I was going to say it'd be hard to get it under about seventy-two thousand, but that's kind of a national average. Southern California is more expensive, right? And then depending on where you want to stay, where you want to, you know, right. be. We'll be right back. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio seven sixty KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner alongside Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we got a special guest right now, Dr. Katie Voltava. Uh, Dr. Katie and I are doing a webinar in regards to Medicare, the ABCs of Medicare. And Dr. Katie, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, well, let's talk a little bit about this webinar we're doing because um, what you have found is that a lot of times people will overpay for Medicare or there, there's money being lost and, and slipped through the cracks here that, that could be avoided. Oh, absolutely. And it's surprising to people. National studies have shown that 90 to 95% of people overspend on Medicare. And if they knew more, they would be able to make better choices, save their money, and make their coverage go further. And that's what we're going to talk about. What do you think, um, just let's go high level here. What are the biggest mistakes um, that people are doing when it comes to just um, Medicare in general? Sure. The biggest mistakes fall into a couple of categories, two categories, really. 
One is people don't know when to enroll and when they don't have to. You need to get in at certain times. There are windows to get in, and if you don't when you need to, then you will have lapses and gaps in coverage and penalties down the road. So people need to understand their particular circumstance, and it's quite individual. So enrollment periods are are really key. The other thing is people need to know how to select their coverage because it varies down to the county and zip code level, and it varies for each person based on their health and their medications. And yet if we do a little homework, people really can get the best coverage for the best price for themselves. You you know, when it comes to uh, Medicare premiums, Mm -hmm. it's based on uh, this modified adjusted gross income number, and I think people get surprised on how that's actually calculated because Medicare kind of looks backwards at their income, correct? Yes, that's absolutely right, is that the premium for anyone in Medicare for the Medicare B is based on the tax return from two years ago. And if you're above a certain threshold, you will pay more based on this modified adjusted gross income, and people will pay more for their prescription drug coverage. So that's why it's important to plan ahead because it's two years ago for this year, and it'll always be two years in the past. So plan this year for what is going to be your base for two years from now. So, and we're going to get into more of what those thresholds are and the dollar figures and everything else on the webinar that we're doing on Tuesday. But Mm -hmm. a question for you. Let's say um, this year, and I'm going to be on Medicare in two years, and I make a large sum of money because I have a lump sum payment and, you know, maybe a a golden handshake. And so I make $400,000 a year. But then thereafter, I'm probably only going to, you know, my retirement income would be 60000 let's say. How is that? So the, my first year of Medicare in two years from now would be calculated on the $400,000 income, correct? Yes. It, Social Security actually is the, the department of the government that looks at your tax return and decides what your Medicare premium will be. They always look two years in arrears. But if you've had major changes for certain specific circumstances, you are eligible for something called a reconsideration. And I always say it's important not to leave money on Medicare's table because if you don't tell Social Security about your change in circumstance, they won't know. But if you meet the criteria, you can do your own reporting, and then most people are granted that lower premium during their current year, and it's not based on what their income was two years before. So do they just do it once? And then it's like, okay, well, here's your premium, or do they look at it every two years? They actually look at it when you first go into Medicare, and then they actually look at it every single year. But each year, they're looking two years in arrear. So this year, 2016, they're looking at 2014. Next year, for January 1, which is 2017, they're going to look at the 2015 and so on. So it's every year once you're into Medicare, but always looking back two years. So it's making sure that you understand those thresholds, looking at doing some tax planning um, specifically to figure out, all right, well, what's going to count on the modified adjusted gross income number that's going to basically affect my overall Medicare premium two years from now? Absolutely right. It's really important to plan ahead. And then there's some changes coming up, too, in 2018 with the increases in, um, uh, in premiums and also like different uh, thresholds, Correct. Yes, one of the things that's going to happen in 2018 is that these thresholds for paying more for Medicare premiums and more surcharges are going to change, meaning that more people will pay higher premiums sooner than they even do now. And that means in 2018, they will be looking at this year's tax return 
2016. So it's really important for people to listen in to our webinar because they'll have the information and then be able to move forward to make their choices with informed decisions. Hey, uh, at what age do you think people should start thinking about planning for Medicare? Oh, I think people should plan. A good time to start planning for your Medicare is when you're 62, because if you get Medicare at 65, and Medicare starts at 65, it's not 66, like full retirement age. Medicare starts at 65, it was based on your tax return when you're 63. So it's a really good idea to start planning at least by the time you're 62. And then really focus in when you're 64 because you have to make big choices when you become 65. And it takes a little time to work through the details and get the background information. And so if you focus when you're 64, do I have to go into Medicare? Don't I? Or maybe I need some pieces but not all of them. So that's my general recommendation. I've got a question about uh, signing up for Medicare. Why are there penalties if you don't sign up in time? Well, typical in any insurance is that you can't just sign up the day you need it that you have to go in during enrollment period. We are used to that in our employment, that we get health insurance during an annual enrollment period, and if we don't take it then, we have to wait another year. So it's a classic old-fashioned insurance concept. And so we have a window of opportunity to get into Medicare when we turn 65 for most of us, some people younger due to disability. And we have exceptions where we don't have to if we have alternative insurance that meets criteria. And so it's important to understand what these rules are and make sure you can get the insurance you need when you're eligible and then not pay too much down the road and have penalties. But that, that penalty doesn't last for a year. That lasts for the entire your, the rest of your life, right? Those Medicare penalties absolutely last for the rest of your life. You pay them every month. And if you're a couple, most times if it's a couple, both people are in the penalty position and two people are paying penalties. And that's a real waste of money if you plan ahead I mean, certainly you can avoid it. And beyond the money that is wasted, when people are in a penalty position, they're very stressed about it. And who needs that in retirement? That's not what you work so hard for. So you, just real quickly before I'm, uh, we, we got to go to the break, is that we have the ABCs of Medicare. So Medicare Part A um, is hospital care. Um, and so people paid for Medicare Part A through their payroll taxes. Medicare Part B would be the doctors, um, and then that's where the premium comes in, correct? That's where one of the big premiums comes in, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and then you got Medicare Part D, is in dog, that's prescription drugs. But then there's Medicare Part C. So Medicare Part C, it, it, what's the difference between Medicare Part C and then Medigap? I mean, there's so many different things that you got to look at here. Oh, absolutely right. Medicare Part C is kind of a misnomer. It's not a separate part of Medicare. It's a way to wrap the three main parts, A, B, and D, together into a plan much like an HMO or a PPO plan that you may be used to. Premiums are lower, but you have higher co-payments, and there are networks involved. But it does work as what people talk about as a supplemental. And For some people, if your care providers are in the network and your medications are covered, it could be cost-effective. The difference is a Medigap plan is also a supplemental, but it works differently. There are no networks. You can go to any hospital, any doctor that accepts Medicare, which is 98% of all doctors in the United States. But the premiums are higher on a monthly basis, but your out-of-pocket costs, if you pick the right plan, we're going to talk about how to do that, can be lower in the not-so-long run for people who have higher health care costs or more specialized health care needs. We're talking to Dr. Katie. Join Dr. Katie and I. We're doing a webinar, um, The Soup to Nuts, um, in regards to everything that you need to know 
Uh, we're going to spend an hour together, and it's coming up this Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. to 11.30. Uh, all you got to do is go to purefinancial.com, purefinancial.com to register for the webinar. Or if you want to give us a call, you can do that too at 888-994-6257. All right. Hey, I know uh, you're a busy lady, and I appreciate your time today. Um, hopefully you enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you on Tuesday. Okay, Joe. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. All right. That's Dr. Katie. Hey, Dr. Katie, where can people go right now to uh, get more information? They can go to several places that we have listed on our website, goodcare.com. That There's a variety of places that people can find information that's actually free and very helpful for Medicare, but our website, goodcare.com, is a good place to start. Absolutely. Everyone, go to goodcare.com, goodcare.com. All right, Dr. Katie, thanks. We'll talk to you Tuesday. we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al, hanging out here on a Saturday. Hopefully you're enjoying your weekend. Just got off the phone with Dr. Katie Voltava. She's uh, she's in New York. Yeah, and so uh, I mean, she broke her hip or hip replacement. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, she sounded, oh wow! Yeah, she sounded good though. Great. Yeah. yeah she she plays plays hurt. Yeah, she she knows her stuff, doesn't she? she? Oh, I mean, she I mean, certainly Medicare. Does. Let's let's be honest. That it seems like that should be pretty simple, but it's not. You got Medicare Part A, Part B. Part, part, part D, D and then C's C, C is inclusive, like a PPO. Yeah. And then there's Medicare Gap, and you could sign up in this circumstance. you got to do it by 65, but if you're still working on a certain kind of insurance policy, you don't have to. And if you don't sign up when you're supposed to, you get penalized, and that penalty lasts your entire life. Right, and if you make more money than one year, two years ago, then all of a sudden you get... A huge increase in your Medicare premium? Yeah, because Medicare premiums, uh, probably contrary to, to belief or normal belief, is that it's based upon your income level because different people pay different amounts to Medicare. So, like, let's say if you had a, as, as we were talking about, if you have a high income year, two years before Medicare starts, you're going to be probably at the maximum premium level. And the following year, you might have a lot lower amount because maybe you're retired. Right. So it's uh, but what she said was really interesting, which is if you had a kind of a one time event, you can request uh, a, ch- yeah, a change. In other words, that they they shouldn't necessarily base it on that one unusual year. And very often the, the it's actually the Social Security Administration that will figure that out and and grant you a lower Medicare premium. So when you're when you're looking at Medicare premiums, too, they look at modified adjusted gross income. So they take a look at the AGI and there's just one ad back and it's uh, a municipal bond interest. Right. And some of the things that they don't look at is one of our favorite tools is the Roth IRA. And so if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know, Al and I are big fans of tax-free income. And so this is just another reason why looking at doing Roth IRA conversions, maxing out Roth plans, um, and, and making sure that you have that tax diversification when it comes to your retirement income strategy is so important because it's like, all right, well, here, now I'm saving money on tax, but you're also potentially could be saving money on Medicare premiums. And if you think the Social Security Administration, when it comes to how much the funding is, because what is it, 2037, 2034, uh, the, the Retirement Trust Fund, the OAS. Fund is exhausted. Uh, the, the Social Security Retirement Fund is a little bit stronger, um, a lot stronger than Medicare. And so they've already tried to, like the net investment income tax, the 3.8% tax that you have on capital gains, if you have a modified adjusted gross income over 200 if you're single or 250 if you're married, right? That additional 3.8% tax, plus the, the payroll tax went up um, for certain um, income payers. Yeah, same income levels for salaries. There's an extra 0.9% you got to pay. 
So they're looking for any way possible to try to get more money into Medicare uh, because 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65, right? Every day for what a long time, yes. 13 years. Correct. Every day for the next 13 years. So they understand, hey, there's a, they're, they're, we need some funding here. And how are they going to fund it? By tax and premiums. So you just want to make sure that you're truly aware of what the tax is going to be when it comes to your overall investments, right? the additional taxes. But then on the flip side, well, what's the additional premiums going to be? Because premiums could get as high as close to fourteen, fifteen thousand bucks a year. Yeah, and for a Joe, couple, in some cases, and typically, and that's just Medicare premiums, right? That, not including copays, not including everything else that you're trying to do. Yeah, and typically those prepayments or the, those premiums, I should say, are deducted from your Social Security benefit. And uh, we're starting to see cases where there's not even enough Social Security income to cover the premiums. But you still have to pay tax on the Social Security income. It's it's crazy how this all works. So, um, like I said, we have a webinar coming up uh, Tuesday. You can go to purefinancial.com to register for the webinar. Uh, purefinancial.com, uh, I think, slash webinar is the landing page. Uh, purefinancial.com uh, slash or Medicare. Just go to the website. You'll figure it out. <laughs> right? Yeah. Instead of trying to explain it. Yeah. So taxes, again, Alan, I mean, with some of the planning that we've done over the last 10 years with some individuals, or especially our listeners, um, hopefully, because we get emails from people all over the place and saying, hey, you know what, we have this much money now in our Roth IRAs, thanks so much, we've been listening to you for the last five, six, seven years, Right. Um, and we haven't got a complaint yet. Of saying, you know what? Dang it! There's I have so much money in this Roth. I shouldn't have done it. it. it I yeah. shouldn't have done it. It stinks. Well, and Joe, that's a good point because we're talking uh, in this first hour about unexpected expenses, and taxes are one of them. And a lot of people are pretty surprised how much they got to pay in taxes in retirement because all of their IRA money, their four hundred one k money, for the most part, is taxable as ordinary income. And then, in some cases, people have pensions. That's ordinary income. In other cases, people have uh, what are called non-qualified or non-retirement assets, and they have them invested in vehicles that are generating ordinary income type of, of income. And, uh, and then you got, uh, with those IRAs, 401ks, at 70 and a half, you take, have to take a required minimum distribution. And what we're seeing is a number of people, their income that they have to take out of these IRAs, 401ks, is greater than their spending. And so their taxes all of a sudden go way up. Now that one of the solutions to that, of course, is to start taking some of your IRA 401k money and start converting it to a Roth IRA. And you're allowed to do that. 2010, they took the income limitations away. So anyone listening, that has an IRA 401k can convert. Now, then the question is, should you convert? And the answer to that is you want to take a look at your tax brackets now versus later. But the the truth is, a lot more people should be converting than you might think. And the reason for that is when you look at your future tax brackets in retirement, in many cases, it's higher than you think because of the income that you're going to be receiving if you've saved money in these retirement accounts, for number one. Number two is when you do a Roth conversion, you have the ability to undo it all the way up to the tax filing date of the, f- of the following year. So in many cases, we're seeing people converting and investing in an investment. And if the investment does really rather well, then they go ahead and keep it in the Roth. And regardless of their extra tax they pay, because all that extra growth is now going to be tax-free forever. And if it doesn't grow enough, they put it back into the IRA as if it never happened. You're allowed to do that. And, and let me just clarify a, a couple of things here, too. We're not suggesting that you add more risk to your overall portfolio and speculate with a certain investment in a Roth. 
Um, I know a lot of you may do that. What we're suggesting is this, is that when you take a look at a globally diversified portfolio and you will have money in small companies, you will have money in large companies, you will have money in value companies, you will have money in international companies, um, in emerging markets, you'll have money in uh, real estate, you'll have money in commodities. And so you take a look at all of those different asset classes, right? And then you take a look and say, all right, well, which of those asset classes historically will give me the highest expected return? And if you take a look at history, um, small value type companies will probably give you one of the highest expected returns because there's a lot of risk. I mean, you got low priced small companies. Those are fairly risky companies. Because of the risk associated with those types of companies, right? you should anticipate the highest expected return. Merging markets is another um, asset class that is extremely volatile. But over time, it has performed quite well. Larry Swedrow was on last week and he was quizzing me. And he was asking me, he was like, yeah, from you know, 2002 to two, um, 2007, you know, what did emerging markets do? You're a smart guy. Oh my God. <laughs> he didn't have the table in front of you. Yeah. And I was, and I guessed because I knew over that 10 year time period, right? 2000 through 2010, yeah. that emerging markets were up over 200%. Yeah. It was actually one of the, for that whole decade, it was one of the best performing and asset classes. It was up classes. like over 500 and some odd percent. In that period. In that okay. period, in Got a it. few short years. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, all right. And so, what Alan and I are suggesting is that you take certain asset classes, even if you're in a high tax bracket, that you're already going to hold anyway in your portfolio and just isolate those into a Roth. And if they perform and you get a large rate of return, who cares what the tax? is because all of that additional growth, you know, depending on whatever rate of return that is acceptable to you. And emerging markets, that's an example of an asset class that uh, certainly can go down a lot, but it can go up 50% or more in a single year. So it is a great strategy. Getting money into Roth IRAs because taxes don't stop when your paycheck does. In fact, Joe, when you start tapping your retirement nest egg, it comes with all sorts of new rules and opportunities. Instead of contributing to tax-deferred plans that reduce your taxes, you'll start tapping those savings for income and paying taxes at your regular rates, unless you're tapping into a Roth IRA. We'll be right back. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. 